Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Indefinitive. My name is Dave Fairman. And I'm Ashley Killips. And this is our last show of 2020. Um, a year that everyone is going to remember so fondly, and I'm <laughs> sure that everyone is really going to be sad to miss. Uh, we decided to put out one more podcast before the end of the year. Yeah. And since it's the end of the year, we figured we'd th- talk about the things that we were watching this year. And I think uh, everyone can relate at the amount of television and, you know, that we all consumed during 2020 when we were all stuck in our houses. So this was it, this was kind of tough for me just because I did watch a lot this year. So narrowing down, um, you know, my favorites. There's so many things I loved. Um, but this was fun, fun to do and a uh, good way to leave 2020 on like a positive fun note. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> We we watched a lot as well. I, a lot of it was more family friendly stuff with the kids. So, sure. um, you know, there's a lot of lot more of that type of programming than would typically be on my <laughs> list if I was just left to my own devices. But right, um, the way we decided to break this down because there's a lot of people that are talking about the best things of 2020. Um, we generally try to steer away from best whatever. This is just our opinions, our favorite, and we're talking about the favorite things we watched in 2020. So that doesn't necessarily mean it came out in 2020, just the things that we watched this year that we loved and figured that would give us a chance to talk about um, some different stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. In doing my list, I did find that there was a lot from this year that ended up on it. So um, how did you how did you find making your list, Ashley? I realized I watched a lot of TV or, or I guess miniseries. I feel like um, like six, eight, ten episode blocks of television have kind of been my uh, go to, um, you know, on different like certain, you know, HBO has a lot of these, you know, like documentaries or whatever it is that are, you know, a few episodes. So um, I found I watched a lot more TV than I realized and less movies. So which I don't think is how I've been watching TV in the past. So I am. uh yeah, so that was a surprise on my part, but it was it was fun kind of to think back like what I watched in March feels like forever ago. So <laughs> Well, because like, oh. you were you were a big time big time theater goer prior to the yes. pandemic. So And I think that's a big part of it is while yes, some of the movies did come to streaming platforms, you know, in lieu of being able to see things in theaters since they were closed. Um I think I we almost just I don't know if we had the mindset of like, we'll just watch that later whenever it's in the theaters, probably early on when we were, you know, assuming everything was going to be done (laughs) quickly, you know, by June or whatever. So, um, yeah, I just watched a lot more TV than movies, um, you know, than years past. So that's, yeah, um, I will have a lot of, uh, television shows that I'll be talking about today. I do mostly, I do mostly have television shows as well Mm -hmm. or, or serialized shows. Series, yeah. yeah. Correct. Um, Yeah. So again, one more time, this is our favorite things, not necessarily best. There are things that I think were better, um, but for for one reason or another, it might be, might be something that was my favorite that I watched on my list. And then we're going to do a couple quick hit categories at the end, just talking about um, stuff that we enjoyed, but didn't want to spend a ton of time on. Yeah. Yep. So do you think we'll have any crossover on our lists? Yes, maybe. <laughs> I, I know we watch a lot of the same... Uh television series um so i i have a feeling possibly but you i I did omit a couple things that i thought maybe would be on your list just so we didn't have a lot of crossover um but we'll see i don't know i'm gonna guess two that's that's my that's my guess all right we'll see i think i know one of the ones you're definitely thinking and i (laughs) didn't put it on here so anyways we'll we'll see we'll see what happens fair enough (laughs) uh all right do you want to start with your first sure um so I love, we've talked about this before, I love horror films, horror movies, horror um, things in general. Um, but I don't know if I've talked about how much I love like true crime related mm. things on here. So um, I watch a lot of true crime like documentaries and um, television series, you know, like Investigation Discovery Channel is always on, <laughs> you know, in my house. But there was a very, very well done um, four-part miniseries, docu-series, um, that premiered on HBO. Um, I think it was in uh, October, November. And it was called Murder on Middle Beach. Okay. Um, I don't know if you watched it. I have it not or seen it. watched it. No, Danny, okay. I think, has watched it. Okay. 
So this is, um, it, it, it involves the murder of um, a woman in 2010, Barbara Hamburg. Um, she was murdered at her uh, Connecticut home. Um, she was found in her yard, like bludgeoned um, to death. Um, she was found by her sister and her daughter. And the entire series takes place, obviously it's 10 years later, and it's her her son, her oldest son, or her only son, Madison, um, he was always kind of a filmmaker. And so he's, he's using this docuseries as a way to kind of um, it's part unraveling the mysteries and trying to figure out who did this because it's still unsolved. But then it's also a study of like how a family deals with grief and a grief as large as somebody being murdered, like a big, you know, and there's just a lot of, um, a lot of twists and turns. Like I honestly, like coming into it, I thought it was just going to be any old, like you know, she got murdered and who did it, but it was, there was a lot of things in here where like each episode, I'm like, it's definitely the sister. It's definitely the daughter. It's definitely the husband. Like, <laughs> so it's, they throw a lot at you and it's not made up. It's all real stuff that happened. Um, but it was produced, you know, directed and then, uh, you know, by the, uh, 29 year old Madison. And, um, I think he did a great job and it's, uh, it's on HBO, HBO max. And I think you should, uh, check it out if you like true crime. Is the, is this, case considered solved so is there it is, is there... not it is unsolved oh, okay. um a lot of it is so uh madison would take a tape recorder to talk to, when he would go talk to the police and they didn't know so he'd record these conversations with the police he'd go you know into the interrogation rooms and they didn't know he had like recording devices on him so there's just a lot of stuff that, that i mean he's just really trying to solve his mom's murder um but it's also just like him trying to come to terms with like how his life turned out after losing his mom. And his, he's estranged from his father because everybody kind of thought his father did it and his sister moved away to another country. So he's just kind of alone. And it, it was, uh, it was like a big study on like grief and family. And um, I thought it was very touching for a, you know, obviously the subject matter is, is tough, but uh, I think it was just really well done and not, um, you know, not over like melodramatic or anything. It was just very real and raw and uh, yeah, it was great. Do you leave it? I don't want to know who, but do you leave it with like an opinion of this is who the creator yes. kind of suggests is probably responsible? He does a great job of making you think each new episode and there's only four, but he, you really think like by the end of the one, you know, first episode, I know who did it. And then the second episode completely flips <laughs> what you think. And then I, you know, and then I'm like all on this, you know, this person did it. And then, you know, same thing. And then by the fourth episode, I'm like, after all this information, I'm like, okay, I think I, I think I do know what happened now, but it really, there's, there's a lot more to it. Like Ponzi schemes that, um, you know, people, women in this family went to prison for, like, was she involved in that, you know, or she was involved in that. Do that have anything to do with it? Or was it just, uh, you know, they had a bitter custody divorce battle and, um, you know, mental health issues with people in the family and alcoholism. And it was just, uh, yeah, it was just very, very well done. Like I wouldn't have even thought to write it as like a movie script. It's kind of all over the place, but it's, it was good. So nice. Good one for anyone interested in true crime. True crime. And that's an HBO show. Is that HBO? HBO. Max? I watched it on HBO Max, but I believe it is on just if you just stream HBO, you don't have to have the HBO Max app. So, yep. Which is thankfully now available on Roku. That was a big deal yes. in our house. It, same. We've been. <laughs> I've been trying to trying to watch things, and I've just been watching them on my phone. So yes. Nice. Good one. Thanks. All right. For my first one, um, so I made my my original list of the things that I thought I was going to include. And then I narrowed it down and there was six that were really close. I'll talk about the sixth one that I ended up cutting, but this was the, there was between two for the last spot. And this was the one that I am picking just because I, I couldn't help but love it. So usually uh, when it comes to new TV shows or serialized shows, I very, very rarely watch from the beginning because I usually wait a season or two and see what the discourse is around it and whether people like it and whether it's worth investing in. Um, unless it's like a, you know, a network sitcom that we're just watching during dinner or something. I very rarely watch something while it's coming out for the first time. And for some reason, this one I did. And from day, you know, we watched the first one of the first night it came out and then watched it all along. And I can't, didn't expect to like it, but for some reason couldn't stop watching it. And that's the flight attendant on HBO Max. Yes. Yes. So this came out right around Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. They released the first three episodes and then the next week were two more then two more. And then the final one, it was eight episodes total. And it's, uh, 
this doesn't spoil anything. It's in the trailers or whatever. But uh, basically, Kaylee Cuoco from The Big Bang Theory, she plays a flight attendant who travels to Bangkok and meets someone on the plane. They go out together. They end up in bed together and wake up in the morning and he is dead. Uh, and they're wasted, by the way. They get wasted yeah. that night. <laughs> so, and then the the whole series is basically her unraveling what happened and uh, looking back on their night and then trying to figure figure stuff out. And, you know, they deal with alcoholism and some other issues that she's going through. And I don't know another way to say it other than it's just like a very fun watch. It's like yeah. very quick. Uh, there's a lot of energy. The editing is pretty quick. Uh, I think her performance is actually really great. Like, yeah. I, I think she... Um, the review I saw that that's probably sums it up best is is uh, Kaylee Cuoco shines as a hot mess, and mm-hmm. I think that's very very appropriate. Um, and it, it's it, it was just eight episodes, and uh, really enjoyed every one of them. Yep. And you watched I, this too, right? Yes. You you had um, said something about how you were really enjoying and asked if I watched it. I think, and I was like, no, it's I was watching other stuff on HBO. Um, so then I got to that, and I. I am not a fan of the Big Bang Theory, and I never watched um, Eight Simple Rules, I think, was she was yeah. on. and I just never really watched a ton of stuff that she was in, and I kind of just saw her as this, like, you know, the Big Bang Theory type of thing, and it's just not my not my forte. So I went in kind of like, yeah, we'll see, whatever, and I by the end, I'm like, in her camp, I'm like, Kaylee Cuoco, like, she's really good, <laughs> like, because I think her performance in this is amazing, and as a hot mess, I mean, you, you kind of want to hate her because she's just doing all the wrong things from start, you know, from the beginning. But I, you still are rooting for her because she's very likable in the role in a weird way. So, um, you know, I thought it was really well done and I liked the kind of like the, the time it's linear, but there's, you know, there's some, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a lot happening. Um, and you're, you know, flashbacky type stuff. And, uh, it's just really well done and edited. And I, it was just fun from start to finish. So Yeah. yeah, I loved it. It was it was a fun watch. I didn't realize until probably halfway into the season that it was actually like she actually was one of the executive producers. Mm-hmm. Her company was the one who um, optioned the rights to the book right. when it came out. Um, and it was originally planned to just be a limited series, but they've somehow already uh, picked up season two. I saw that. Which I saw an interview with her with Kaylee Coco, who said that it was never really it was always intended to be limited, but now they're going to figure out a way to make more. Um, which is interesting, which I, I'm, I don't want them to mess with the formula that was really good, but I am excited right. to see if they can do something exciting with season yeah. two. So. I mean, there's some stuff that they left on, you know, cliffhangers that, uh, you know, I'm interested in exploring next season. So yeah, I'd definitely be tuning in. So, yeah. um, but as like a limited series, if they just left it with those eight episodes, I thought it was great. Yeah. It was a fun watch. Recommended. Good choice. Good choice. Thanks. What do you got Very next? Um, so I'm not hugely into comedy, but I started, I binge this series. Um, it's on Hulu. It is a, it has two seasons, 17 episodes. Um, and it is called pen 15. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did not know what to expect going. I've heard a lot of things about it and I see a lot on Twitter, um, comedians, um, you know, talking about it. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. And like I said, I'm not hugely into comedy and it has to be very specific, but this show is so funny. Um, essentially, this show is the two creators and writers of the show, uh, Maya Erskine and uh, Anna Conkle. They play 13-year-old versions of themselves. They're both about my age. They're about 31, 32. Um, but they play 13-year-old versions of themselves in the year 2000 going into middle school. And the entire, so they're adults, obviously, but the rest of the cast is played by actual 13 year olds. So it's just these two women, but you, even though at first it's a little jarring because you're like, obviously they're an adult, but like by the end of it, I'm like fully invested in these two middle schoolers. It's like, like I forget that they're adults. Um, And everything is very, um, very raunchy, very real. But I, I was a middle schooler in the year 2000 and it's so accurate. It's insane. <laughs> I li- I watched, I binged the first season and sent it. Um, I told my sister, I was like, you'd love this. You- you're going to like, and all the music choices, you know, they, all the cringy pop tunes from the year 2000 that I middle school Ashley listened to, like, it's so spot on. It's, it's unreal. Um, but it's funny. It's heartfelt. Um, they actually tackle a lot of important issues, but like in a, uh, in just a funny, like, 
awful way sometimes a cringy way for the most part but uh but it's just great um and if you're looking for just like a mindless comedy kind of it's uh it might be for you that's funny i have not seen any of it um i have likewise heard that it's great though yep and i think that uh andy sandberg is actually a producer on this so if Mm. that kind of gives you a hint at that style of comedy and uh you know that sort of thing but it's yeah, I don't know. It's just a fun, it's a fun watch. It's definitely cringy, <laughs> but I think it's worth a watch if you, especially not that you wouldn't enjoy it, Dave, but if, especially if you're like a woman who was, um, you know, in the early two thousands, you were in middle school, junior high, like you'll, you'll, you'll understand how awful those years are. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it does a great job of showing all that stuff. So it's great. With, it's with uh, someone who is with, with a child who is about six to eight years away from that am i going to cringe in a whole different way is that uh reason not to watch it yeah (laughs) probably yeah it's it's a rough watch uh because that's how i mean that's just how girls are girls are girls are crazy and middle school girls they're the worst (laughs) so but it's fun it's a fun one yeah good one good choice is has that been picked up for another season Yes. Yep. They had, um, so they had, they, I think before COVID hit, um, they had only filmed the first season was 10 episodes and I think they were able to film like seven episodes for season two. And they have, they have like more in the works, but they just haven't been able to film or they haven't been able to get them out. So I think there's supposed to be more like a second half to season two coming out. Um, it's just not out yet. So yeah, I think that's every production delay COVID. Yep. Well, good one. Pen 15. All right. And that's on Hulu. Hulu. Cool. So for my next one, this is one of the ones that I, I thought it was possible would be on your list, but I'm not sure. Um, this is one I came to, like I said, I didn't start when it first came out. It first aired um, in 2019. Uh, they finished season two in 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a superhero show, but done in a totally different way. And this was uh, created by Eric Kripke. Uh, and it is the boys on Amazon. Yeah. So this is on, it's, it's definitely on my list. I, I mean, I, my list is, I have about 30 things on my list. <laughs> um, and it was in my top. The only thing is, is I don't know why I haven't finished like the last two episodes of the season. Oh, okay. So I actually haven't finished it. So I felt like, even though I loved the season and I don't know what happened, I got sidetracked and just never went back to it. Um, but I know I'm going to love it. So I, I, but I didn't felt like I couldn't put it on there because I actually didn't finish the season, but I'm with you. It's a great show. That's so, fair. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> I, I started season one about halfway into the airing of season two. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned, I tend not to jump on stuff right away, but then when you hear everyone talking about it and it was kind of hugely Hard popular. Not to. Yeah. And so I watched the entire first season and a half in about a week and was caught up and then finished it. Um, it stars Carl Urban, Jack Quaid, Anthony Starr, Aaron Moriarty, uh, Elizabeth Shue, Aya Cash uh, in season two. Um, really huge cast and really great cast. Um, and the thing, so the show is exceptionally R-rated. It's ultra-violent. It's very, um, you know, if, if, you're, if you have any sensitivity to that, I don't recommend it. Um, but if that doesn't bother you, um, what it kind of says is, is pretty interesting. So the, the superheroes are kind of like modern celebrities who are all kind of uh, run by and made famous by and, and kind of in cahoots with like a, a large corporation. So um, some of them are young and still altruistic and some of them have been corrupted because they've been, you know, rich and famous and uh, some of the ways that traditionally being rich and famous would corrupt someone. So it, it really plays with that in a way that, you know, most superhero movies just don't. So I, I think that's really interesting. The first episode, I, I, I remember messaging you after I watched the first episode and I was kind of like not totally sold on it because I, because I had already watched it, right? I told, yeah. did I tell you like, yeah. 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 I think you suggested it maybe. I and I, I, um, it was, I, I don't, I'm not sensitive about violence, but I also don't love like crazy violence for no reason. Like it almost has to be earned. And so I was kind of like, eh, all right. And um, I remember watching it and liking it, but not 
I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was a weird day, but not, not being like overly overwhelmed by it. And then I just kept watching and I ended up loving it. So um, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Again, another fun watch. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and this one I I really do think also is is well done. Like some uh, Anthony Starr who plays Homelander is just putting in a phenomenal performance. Um, Carl Urban is just fun to watch. Um, uh, You know, Aya Cash in season two is awesome. Um, I was a fan of hers from, uh, uh, you're the worst. I always thought she was yeah. great on that. And so she's, she's awesome. Um, the whole, the whole cast is just excellent. So, yep. uh, Jack Quaid is, uh, who's, uh, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. He's yes. also, uh, he's hilarious. So he's kind of, he's kind of the main guy. He's like the main non soup that, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of the POV, <laughs> POV main POV character. So, yep. um, so yeah, it's it's been renewed for season three. Um, I don't know when it'll come out because I don't think they had started filming before the pandemic. So I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're like I said, if you're not easily offended by language or violence, I highly recommend it. So. Yeah. No, Anything? that's a great choice. Yeah. No, I I just love how much it comments. It's very smart. I mean how it comments on our pop culture and, and like the use of media and our everyday lives and how it influences the, you know, the population. And um, I mean, we can get into, I'm sure rabbit hole discussions about all that stuff, but just the, just the performances are top notch. The, the gore, while it is a lot of times, I mean, there's a specific episode and thing that happens in season two. That's just like, so like gratuitously gross, but like, I kind of loved it at the same time, you know, it's just kind of fun. Like you said, it's just a fun watch. So. Well, and, and that, if it's what I'm thinking of, it's like almost borderline silly at that point, yes, but it, it's but it so still cartoonish, works. But like yes. car- cartoonish and, but we're, we're meant to know that it, it they did that on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're kind of in on the joke. So yes. uh, I think it's, yeah, it's a great show. Well done. Um, and you know, if you like superhero things like Avengers, but you like want that like rated like R, like a hard R, like this show's for you. So yeah. great choice. Great choice. It's also executive produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, which is, I didn't, exactly. again, yeah. I didn't realize right at first either. Um, That's why it's so funny too. Yes. Yeah. It is very funny. I, I tried to figure out, I spent about two minutes, not a long time researching why Simon Pegg is in this show because he doesn't oh. appear to be a producer. He doesn't appear to be like his, his role is like, three lines i don't know why he's in this show but he's great i just yeah it's just funny he just kind of shows up in two episodes for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. maybe he'll have a bigger part and well maybe. i haven't finished it so i don't know uh so yeah so the boys on amazon that's a great that's a great one yeah that was definitely on my list i just haven't finished it this might make me want to finish it now after you should this. you should so, it, it ends very well i think the last okay. uh, episode is very strong good to know yeah. All right. What's your third one? All right. Um, So my third one, I'm going to, my one and only movie that's on this list um, is one that I think I told you about it right after I watched it. And it's one when I've, that's one of the first things I thought of when I was like, what have I really enjoyed this year that I've watched? And this one always pops into my head and it is The Invisible Man. Oh, okay. um, Starring Elizabeth Moss, um, directed by Lee Winnell. It's it's a Blumhouse, Jason Blum produced and all that stuff. Uh, loosely based on the novel of the same name, the H.G. Wells novel. Um, but I think it takes a a a more modern turn um, on this like story and makes it even smarter. Um, and I have you watched it yet? I, I have not. I have not. Okay. It is on HBO now, so I'm excited okay. too. Ooh, it's, in my, it's in my queue. As in they your say. queue. <laughs> um, but yeah, the lowdown of it is essentially. Um, Oh, a woman, Elizabeth Moss's character, she f- she flees a, an abusive relationship and she gets noticed the next day um, that her her boyfriend that she left uh, has committed suicide and he left um, a bunch of money in his will to her um, as long as she has is being, um, you know, she's sound of mind as long as she, you know, she's not crazy or whatever. So, um, but the premise of it is the fact that she believes that he isn't really dead and that he's stalking her, um, as in he's invisible doing this. He found out a way to, you know, create technology that'll turn him invisible. So that's the premise. We probably all kind of know the story, heard of the story before in other versions, but it's just smart. Like the direction is great. I mean, Elizabeth Moss, I love her and everything she does. Um, she's one of my favorites these last few years. She just, she, she can't go wrong for me even in some of the weirder stuff she's done she's just really good um so her performance is great um especially since half the time she's not acting against anything uh and 
the, the direction is beautiful and there's there's one scene and i'm not gonna spoil it but there's one scene that like this specific thing happened and i screamed at the tv which i don't i'm not a, like a <laughs> i don't react like that to movies even scary stuff like i don't have physical uh, verbal reactions but it has stuck with me since and it's one of the scenes that like plays over in my mind and i haven't rewatched the movie um but it's uh, still stuck up there so great movie great action you know suspenseful film of 2020 um it didn't get to go out in the theaters but it did you know we i think it came to um i think you could rent it for 20 bucks or whatever it was right. so um but now you said it's on hbo to watch it is yes okay all right yep. so so yeah go watch invisible man it's a great great suspenseful you know horror film for 2020 excellent um, yeah that i it's i'm excited to watch that those those movies are hard to uh find time because my wife won't watch it so right that has to be uh, that has to be on my own time uh which was taken up by the boys and stuff like that this year yes, uh, yes. <laughs> um yeah i'm excited to check that one out that looks yeah really definitely good. I, definitely watch it yeah elizabeth moss is, is amazing she um I got to see her smell. Uh, mm-hmm. I was lucky enough mm-hmm. to go to South by the year that that was there. And mm-hmm. um, it was just one of those performances where you, have you, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I've seen clips and I know what it's about and I kind of know the whole story. So I haven't watched it cause I know it's kind of, it's going to, it's going to be a tough watch. It's a very uncomfortable movie to watch. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but she is so great. And it's, it's like, you don't know how many actors you could watch in that role and still enjoy because most, most people you'd be like, I can't handle this. Yeah. Uh, but she's so good that, that I don't know if I like the movie, but she is yeah. phenomenal in it. It's she's just so good. So that's how I feel about most things that I like, not her specifically, but I'm like, I love this performance. Movie's not great, but this performance, and she's yeah. definitely one of those that like, if she's in it, I know at least I'm going to enjoy whatever she does, whether the, yeah. you know, so I guess, I yeah. guess if you're looking to feel tense, or if you want to, if you want to have as close a feeling uh, as being coked out without actually being coked out, it's probably watching that movie. Her smell, crazy. So. <laughs> uh, but Invisible Man, good choice. Very good. Thank choice. you. Yeah, great movie. So for my next one, since we're talking movies, I will talk about the only movie on my list, uh, which it actually premiered at Sundance in January, uh, one of the last real film festivals that actually happened in the world, um, and it was a pretty big splashy hit out of there because it was the the highest purchase in the history of Sundance by some 69 cents. And uh, it was uh, starring Andy Samberg, who came up earlier, uh, directed by Max Barbacow, and it was Palm Springs. Yes. I loved this movie too. So this movie is, it's basically like uh, a Groundhog Day type story. It's a time loop story with two people who are, who meet at a wedding in Palm Springs and Andy Samberg's character has been in the time loop. And then the other characters involved are Kristen Melioti uh, and then JK Simmons was also, Mm -hmm. also involved. And I don't want to give too much away because it's a really, um, I I think I went into it not even knowing that it was a time loop story, which I actually Mm -hmm. think when it first happened, I was like, Oh, this kind of changes the whole (laughs) perception of the movie. But um, it's, it is the traditional, time loop mechanism but it's done in a very different way i think and it is a romantic comedy but it's not really sappy it's it's much more like you know kind of indie uh sensibilities so mm-hmm. um i think that andy sandberg is <laughs> we've we've talked about him on the podcast before because we talked about i talked about brooklyn 99 when we were talking about that show uh one of those people who i i would have never guessed on snl that he'd be one of my favorite comic actors but for some reason he just seems to make choices that i love yeah uh, <laughs> and even even on stuff that's like total uh spoof like uh like the pop star movie like even when he's doing stuff like that it's to, it just i just find his sensibility like you said it, i just his sensibilities seem to seem to yeah totally register well um, so i think him and Kristen Milioti have really good chemistry i think okay. uh the style of the movie is pretty cool it's not like overly um heavy like it's still kind of like fun even as they're dealing with obviously uh going through these days over and over again as you do in any of these types of movies uh but you saw it so you saw it and you yes. liked it as well yeah i uh, i mean i thought it was cleverly written um and you know i i went in knowing it was like a time loop story like a groundhog's day which i love groundhog's day um but the formula, while it is that same formula in a way, it's done completely different, like you said. Um, and I think it's it's done smarter even. And I love Groundhog's Day, but I think it's done in a in a more um, I don't know believable and 
like I, you just grow to love these characters and you I, I don't know I just I loved the whole entire thing I thought it was hilarious and 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 meaningful you know even though there's there's always sappy scenes in movies like that but I thought like a lot of it was it was just meaningful and smart and done really well and uh yeah it was one of my favorite movies that I watched this year too the I heard an interview with the director and writer who were going to make this movie. Uh, they had already scripted it or they were already planning on making it uh, before it got into Andy Samberg's hands. So it was kind of, oh. they were going to make it for nothing. And then it got into his company's hands and he, they met with them and then produced it with them. Um, so it was, it was kind of a cool story because this is the first time really feature filmmaking team that kind of made this movie with Andy Samberg involved. So right. uh, I think it's still on Hulu. It was, as I said, it, it came out of Sundance. It was a huge uh, purchase and it was going to be out in theaters, but because of the pandemic, it, it, yeah, they couldn't put it out in theaters and it went straight to Hulu. It uh, is still on Hulu. So okay. Go watch yeah, it. Highly recommend that. It's a, it's a good, easy watch. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty enjoyable. I agree. 100%. Good, good, date, good date movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Good pick. I, I, nice. that one was on, it's on my like honorable mention list down here. Mm, I'm nice. like, I, I loved it. There's a couple movies on there, but I don't know. TV. It's been TV for me this year. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so let's go to your next TV. I say to continue in the, in the TV theme. Um, this one might be on your list. I, it could be, I have a feeling it might be, and I'll just jump right in. It's the Mandalorian. Season two, I'm going to say season two only because I, I did watch season one um, last year when it came out, but season two premiered this year, although I did binge watch the entire first season and second season again. Um, and if you don't know, it's just uh, The Mandalorian is a series on Disney Plus in the Star Wars universe. Um, I know you know, I meant the general audience. Yes. You, all of you. <laughs> you, yeah, all of you, uh, Dave like Star Wars. Um, but yeah, so it's. A Star Wars story, and it takes place after Return of the Jedi, and it follows um, a bounty hunter, uh, the Mandalorian. The title, you know, um, name is Din, and he uh, he is quested in the first season. I think many everybody, even if you haven't watched the show, you know of Baby Yoda. So essentially, he's quested at uh, to bring Baby Yoda um, to some higher powers. Um, so he kind of goes on the run with uh, Baby Yoda, who we know now as Grogu, and he's just in the – he's a species of, of Yoda that we know from the Star Wars movies. Um, and it's just kind of their their journeys through space, and, they, you know, lots of different things happen throughout it. But um, I thought season two was a lot stronger than season one. I don't know why. I, maybe because we've already established kind of what's going on, and I think each episode is um, – just well executed. They have different directors, different, you know, they, I kind of like how he brings in like, um, he brought in a lot of women directors, uh, John mm-hmm. Favreau, uh, created it yep. and he, he brought in a lot of women directors. He did last season as well. Um, but I thought it was, I don't know. I just, I thought it was a great story. I love star Wars. It's one of it's, I always look forward to it every Friday. I'm like, Oh, the new, new season or a new episode of Mandalorian comes out today. And, uh, and I also thought that the, the finale was very solid as well of this season. Um, and it's just uh, one of those happy, fun watches that I look forward to every week. Um, and I can't wait for the next season, which I'm assuming it got picked up. I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Disney Plus. Disney. Yeah. It'll get picked up. So, yeah, I, I this was not on my list, but I do watch it uh, every week. Um, I, I agree. I thought season two was a lot stronger than season one. Um, I like that, you know, it. it you see different parts of the Star Wars universe. It's not all, you know, the exact same place. There's some kind of cool things where it's like, um, you know, mission of the week kind of thing where it's like, mm-hmm. we're just going to do this thing. Uh, yeah. for, for people, I was not a big, like I never watched the animated series. I never watched the Clone Wars. I never watched Rebels. No. Uh, but I know a lot of people lost their shit this season because there were characters from those animated series yes. who are very beloved who showed up on screen. And I thought, what little I did know of them, I, th- I thought they did a great job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I and I also think that the way they create the show, so I, I could have possibly made this list. They have a behind the scenes on Disney Plus now mm-hmm. about the making of season two. It's about an hour long, yeah. um, and it, that that's pretty cool as well. And it kind of shows this is really film geeky, but the way they film this show is pretty unprecedented. They they're in a huge studio warehouse, and they have these giant LCD walls that really. F- um, take the place of green screen and blue screen. So oh. rather than, you know, shooting on a green screen and then compositing in all these backgrounds later, they actually digitally produce the backgrounds so that you can After actually, actually shoot. acting. Yep, exactly. So you can oh. shoot everything on camera. So if they're like, 
they, they set up the shot and then they're like, well, that doesn't look right over there. They can move things in real time and shoot it. So they have practical elements on the soundstage. And then at some point it kind of falls off into this digital background. So I think that allows them to shoot it. When you look at like the scope of the show, it's really impressive uh, how much special effects and how much is in there. And they, I mean, they shoot it and it comes out a year later and you know, most times this level of effects for, eight hours worth of <laughs> of movies would take years to produce, but because of the way they're shooting it, uh, they're able to do it a lot faster. And I think that's really that's cool. Amazing. Uh, Disney has a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they, uh, they, they just kind of keep churning through and, and it's, uh, I agree. I thought the, the finale was solid. Um, I'm very curious to see where it goes forward. I have, when they, I was, I, I think I was the only person on the planet who, when they introduced Baby Yoda, I was like, ugh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in. And, and it's not because I don't love Yoda. I absolutely do, and I love everything about the original Star Wars. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite things ever. Um, but I was more like, you know, when they, when they did, I, I was, I was more excited about the Mandalorian being something different and not being tied to the Two. other Star Wars stories. Right. So I was more interested in seeing something that existed without having to bring in something that, that was in the, or in the prequels or whatever, like, like there it's a, it's a big galaxy. There can be some stories that are not directly tied in. Tied in. We have to know. Um, so I was probably, like I said, I was probably the only person who was a little out on baby Yoda, but I have to admit it's a adorable, a great character. It was just, that was just my own personal, like, uh, reaction yeah initial gut reaction to not not doing something that was uh that was the same um, sure. but i think that they've done a lot of uh inventive stuff that you know certainly certainly makes up for that as far as enjoyment goes so yeah and this season they they even brought another a couple old star wars characters in in pretty interesting ways so yeah there's a lot of nostalgic you know nostalgic uh points in the show where they definitely give some give some fan service um but i think overall is like just as as a star wars story outside of the realm of star wars that we already know um i think i enjoy it more than i do other things i've watched and i like I, i didn't watch like the clone wars and stuff like that um those any of those uh animated series but um this is probably one of my favorite uh just Star Wars anything other than yeah. the original movies. So I do wish we saw more of Pedro Pascal who plays the Mandalorian. Like yeah, he, I didn't mention I it's hard to mention it because you really don't see him. Um yeah. but he's, I agree. He's, he as an actor, I just love him. I think he's great. He's mm-hmm. also in the new Wonder Woman movie. He yeah. uh, was on Game of Thrones. Um and he you very rarely see his face because he's wearing mm-hmm. a mask the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um in that behind the scenes thing I mentioned you know, there's kind of been like this joke about whether he actually is on set at all and whether he just shows up to do ADR and then that's it. Uh, but I did wonder him, that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you see him quite a lot on the behind the scenes. So uh, okay. he's, he's at least there for blocking and talking about it, whether then he leaves and the stunt doubles take over. I don't know, okay. but, uh, but he's definitely present for, for all the shooting. What a uh, gig though. Huh? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, good pick. Yeah. I, I, yeah, uh, that was on my, on my short list, but it didn't make my, top five my favorite five so my favorite five okay so i have two left and i know you like both of these i don't know whether you watched them this year though so okay uh i'll start with um something that we've already talked about when we talked about our favorite shows of the 2010s um and that was fleabag yes so Fleabag was one that it it actually came out. Season one came out in 2016. Season two came out at the end of, I think at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched all of it, both seasons this year. So that's why, that's why I made my list. Yeah. Um, the, the season one, we, we watched in about a week and season two, we literally watched in one night, you know, cause it's only six episodes. It's about a yes. two and a half hours, something like that. So if you didn't hear last time we talked about it, created and written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's a genius, um, is based on a one woman show she had done. It's the second season, uh, is one of the best seasons of TV that's ever been made. I think, and I, I think you agree. Yeah. Uh, it won six Emmys, uh, out of 11 nominations and golden globes and everything. So 
I'm, I'm assuming you watched this before 2020 is my guess. I did, which is why I yeah. didn't add it. Cause it was one of the <laughs> things I wanted to add, but because I literally binged it in 2019, um, like three times I watched it through in 2019. Yeah. So I was like, well, technically I did not watch it this year. So, uh, she, it's basically about a, uh, a woman who's, I don't, I don't want to give anything away. If you have not watched it, you should go watch it. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's a woman who's dealing with some personal issues and as a result becomes pretty promiscuous. And um, in the second season, she becomes friends with a priest and that leads to some interesting dynamics as uh, she works through her own issues and her, I guess we could just say her interest in the priest. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's really, really great writing it's great acting. Um, she breaks the fourth wall a lot, talking to camera, uh, the the direction and how and and kind of what they do with her and and especially the priest character in season two is is just amazing. Yeah, uh, can't say enough good things about it. So I don't I don't know that it needs any more spoken about, but uh, it I just know. so happened that we watched it this year, binged it within like about a week and a half, and that was uh, it was too good not to include. No, amazing choice, Phoebe. Like, and I don't always love when, when, um, movies and television, when, uh, characters break the fourth wall, but she does it so effortlessly. And like, you know, not to give anything away, but like when it's done in season two, um, like in the last episode and it's done so like, we've been on a journey with her and we're a part of the series. And then it's just, uh, it's just beautiful and perfect. And, uh, yeah, what a great, what a great television series and it does go go to show that like you don't have to have you know 200 episodes of a series to make it like right like a pop culture statement forever like it, yeah it's so few episodes but like i'll never forget it and it's to me it's like you know that i don't need any more seasons that was that was great so yes yeah even if 12, i want more sometimes 12, i want I think more, 12 but. episodes ever total yeah. and, and mm-hmm. i don't know that there'll ever be any more uh, i don't i don't believe so she's always yeah. she said no in multiple interviews i've seen yeah. so um, but yeah, Fleabag, if you haven't seen Fleabag, watch it. It's, it's great television. So your last. No, I don't know if we talked about this, but I told, so I watched this. I binged this all. It's a Netflix series. Um, let me check and see how many episodes. So seven episodes, uh, Netflix original series. Uh, it came out not that long ago uh, in October and I binged all seven episodes um, texted a bunch of people, told them to watch it, and then Nate made my boyfriend Nate watch it all with me. So I've seen it through twice, um, and that is The Queen's Gambit. Oh, okay. Um, I've not seen it yet. It you is, have not uh, seen it yet. Oh. I, I almost tried to binge it for this episode because I was pretty sure it would make my list if I watched it. Oh, it but absolutely it. would make your list. <laughs> um, so it's it's based on a 1983 novel of the same name by Walter Tevis. And it essentially follows um, a young girl. It, take, or it takes place in the uh, in the mid fifties and then into the sixties. Um, but it starts with uh, I believe she's like eleven or twelve in the first episode, um, and she's orphaned and she goes to an orphanage, um, and she learns chess. And it turns out she's a chess prodigy. So it's you know we've all seen like you know Bobby Fischer like we know you know we've seen chess prodigy movies, but this is like nothing I've ever seen before and. Honestly, I don't, I've never been somebody who cares about chess or wants to play chess, but I immediately after watching this downloaded a chess app on my phone. Cause I was like, I am determined to learn <laughs> real dumb. It lasted about two days, but well, you know, <laughs> that, I mean, that was, I mean, one of the things that came as a result of the show was that chess sets sales skyrocketed. The, the book went back on the bestsellers list, like the, yep. the interest in chess, like skyrocketed as a result. This show makes you want to learn chess. Like I, because I mean, the whole time I really don't, I'm so invested in everything that's happening, even though I don't necessarily understand the lingo. Like I don't, you know, if you don't know anything about chess, you wouldn't know what they're talking about, but it pulls you in, in such a way. Like the direction is beautiful. Um, Anya Taylor joy plays the main character, Beth Harmon. Um, and if you haven't seen Anya, she's, She's been really popular the last five, six years. Um, she she was in The Witch, which is a like an indie horror film that you know won a lot of awards. Um, really popular. Um, she was in Split. Uh, she's been in she's been in a quite a few other things. Um, but she's a phenomenal actress, and she takes this role like and just runs with it. I mean, it's just bears everything. And uh, yeah, it's just it's smartly done. Um, seven episodes. They're about like. 
40 minutes to an hour varies. Um, and I tell you, you watch the first episode, you're going to be sucked in. You're going to just watch them all. Um, even if you go in thinking, I don't care about chess. I don't know anything about chess, you know, and it, and it deals with her, not, not just that, but she's, I mean, she's obviously dealing through trauma and grief of being orphaned. Um, back in the fifties, they would give kids, uh, tranquilizer pills to calm them down. Uh, so in the story, she gets addicted to tranquilizing pills as a small kid, as a nine-year-old, 10-year-old, um, so it, it deals a lot with addiction issues, um, mental health issues and overcoming like adversity and just becoming a strong person. And as like a female, it's a str- like, female story. This is, it's a beautiful like character arc that she goes through. Um, and I definitely recommend watching it. It's great. One of the best, I, I saved it for last because it's probably my favorite thing I've watched yeah. this year. I'm very excited to watch it. I, I uh, Danny's watched some of it. Um, and so I've seen a couple interesting ways that they've portrayed her viewing like the chessboard, uh, you know, and, and, and some, some cool direction. I, the creator, I, I also heard an interview with uh, Scott Frank, who's the creator. And yes. he, he talked about how um, it was a challenge to figure out how to do chess in a way that would keep people's interest. And that uh, that was something they thought a lot about and making sure that it was, you were more interested in the character than, than focusing on the board all the time. Right. Um, and just from everything I've heard, it sounds like that character is so dynamic that it seems to have worked to suck everyone in. So yep. I'm excited to watch that. Oh, great. It's a great, great show. I know I, I texted a bunch of people. I'm like, if you haven't watched it, watch it. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's uh smartly done. And yeah, honestly, uh, and Anya, yeah. Anya Taylor joy is she's, she's amazing. She, she's also was just cast as a uh, Furiosa in the Mad Max yes, prequel. I so. just saw that. Yep. And she, honestly, she'll be perfect. She's, mm-hmm. She's she's doing lots of lots of big things, but I think she's amazing. So good one. I I, I think if we revisit this list um, in a couple of months, that'll probably be on mine. So. Yeah, I I <laughs> I think it'll be on everyone's. I would hope. Or I guess on my twenty twenty one list when I've been. There you go. There you go. Uh, so speaking of binging things, my last mm. choice is not exciting in the sense that we've already talked about it before. So it's not going to be a big surprise and it's not necessarily a hidden gem anymore or anything like that. But um, Mm -hmm. uh, this was probably our first pandemic binge when, you know, everything first shut down and we kind of just started watching shows. Uh, We binged basically the whole series in a couple weeks and then caught up to live in order to watch the the final season. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is Schitt's Creek. Yeah. I so badly wanted to put this on here, but I have not finished the last season. So oh, wow. I, I don't know why I, I think, cause what, I think I was waiting for it to come on. Like, how do you, how are you watching it? I we guess. purchased the last season because we, we, we binged the first five seasons on Netflix and then uh, purchased season six on Amazon or whatever. Cause that's exactly what I, I binged all of the seasons up until the last season. And then I think we were just like, well, we'll just wait for when it's, mm. you know, we can stream it. And it obviously hasn't, you can't watch it yet, I think. Or maybe you can now, but. Um, yeah, you might probably, probably could now. Probably could um, now. For anyone who doesn't know, it was created by Dan and Eugene Levy. Uh, it is based on a rich family who loses all of their money and have to relocate to a small rural town and uh, try to, you know, figure out how to rebuild their lives while living in this uh, crappy motel. Um, and they're, they are the epitome of like privileged, spoiled people uh, mm-hmm. trying to, trying to adjust. Um, and then, you know, you can, you can assume that they, they become more adjusted to the town as time goes on. Yes. Uh, it was six seasons, 80 episodes total. And this last year, the, they were the first comedy ever to win all seven Emmys for the best. Swept. Uh, yeah, swept through the, the comedy uh, categories of the Emmys. Uh, it stars Eugene and Dan Levy, and then Catherine O'Hare and Annie Murphy, all of whom were famous, uh, all of whom were famous, all of whom were fabulous in the show. Yes. Um, so A, I don't know that I've ever cried quite as much at a quote-unquote sitcom. If you consider it, you know, whatever, uh, a half-hour comedy, I don't know that I've ever, you know, got teary-eyed quite so much. It's so well done. Um, and I'm, I'm not the person to, like, the, the, what I understand is that this is a very impactful show for people in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. The way that they handle representation is, um, is very moving. And again, it's not for me to say say that it's done well or not but my but it seems like uh that people have had reactions to the way that 
Dan Levy and, and the writing has portrayed portrayed members of the community uh, in such a positive light. So yeah. um, I think that's exceptionally important and, mm-hmm. and is, it's never like, it's never like a taboo thing on the show. Like it's just part of the characters and that's, and that's what's so moving is that, you know, the, the, the most uh, David character and the Patrick character's relationship is really center, especially in some of the later seasons. Um, and it's, it's not something, frankly, it's just not something you would seen on a network sitcom. And I think it's, I think yeah. it's great. So. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. It's, it's amazing. And, and like you said, beautiful representation. And I think I did read an article or I saw an interview where it was just, that's how he wanted it. Like he didn't want to bring, like be like, this is David's sexuality. This is what, who he is, or it's just, he just is who he is and he's going to date who he wants to date. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, a whole entire episode or something devoted to it. It's just, this is, these are their lives and we don't have to bat an eyelash because that's, it's fine. And, you know, so I think it's just well done and it's hilarious and moving and heartwarming. And, um, yeah, I, and I am just obsessed with Dan Levy. Like after this, like everything I watch him in, like I watch the the happiest season, mm. and he's my favorite character in the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. He's I just agree. Great. He's great. I just love him. Well, he may come up again uh, momentarily in some of our oh. other little categories. So. Oh. <laughs> mm. uh, so yeah, Schitt's Creek. If you haven't watched it, I I know at least five, maybe all the seasons are on Netflix now. Um, it's just such a uh, delightful, fun, easy watch even though you might tear up quite a bit, especially mm-hmm. in the last, especially in the light, later seasons. It just, it really, uh, it really gets you. So, so that was it. That was our favorite five things of the year. Um, that was fun. A, lot of, a lot of things I feel like I haven't watched yet that might make the list. Um, yeah. We just started watching industry on HBO, which is, oh. which is, um, I think we're three or four episodes in and is awesome even though I have no idea what's happening uh, at any given time, it deals with the stock market in England and uh, they'll have entire exchanges where I am totally clueless as to what their jobs are or what they're expected to do or what's being said, but mm-hmm. I'm still totally invested. So um, it's, that's, a, that's a great one. And then, uh, Oh, the other one that um, I'm excited to watch is I may destroy you, which has gotten uh, excellent yes. reviews as, as a lot of best of lists uh, at the top of a lot of best of lists for this year. So, yep. I'm looking forward to that one as well. I keep, yeah, I keep uh, putting that on, on the back burner, but yeah, that needs to. <laughs> Any other honorable mentions you wanted to hit before we move? Yeah. On? I was just looking through my list to see if there's anything I want to talk about. So I binged dead to me on Netflix. Oh, sure. Yeah. We watched Christina that. Applegate and mm-hmm. um, Linda Cardellini. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's one of those ones you can just kind of put on, like, <laughs> there's a lot of funny moments, there's a lot of dramatic moments, you know, um, but it's just one of those kind of a fun comedy that'll just, you can kind of put on in the background. And, um, but I do think some of the writing in it is pretty good. And the performances by both actresses, they, there's a lot of, they have some heavy days on set, I can tell. I mean, they just cry all day in some of these episodes. Like, I'm just like, man, they've got to be exhausted by the end of that, you know? saw the first season and, and remember thinking the tone of this is so such a tricky balance because yes. it is so heavy in spots, but then also funny uh, so with two excellent comedic actresses. But like you said, yes, uh, also crying plenty, crying plenty. Yes. Plenty of crying. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, I watched a few other things. The, um, the vow on HBO, that was a docu-series about the um, Nixium cult, um, The Undoing, which was a David E. Kelly series on HBO starring Nicole Kidman. Um, those are a few of the things that I watched. Honorable cool. mentions, but. Uh, so we decided to do a couple of quick hit things, um, just kind of silly categories, which again, are, are not, we're not authorities on or anything, but uh, just might be a couple more things to talk about and that we might recommend. Um, so I'll just throw the categories out there and we'll talk real quickly about them. So I thought we'd start with, uh, favorite acting performance that you watched in 2020? Yeah. So I'm realizing I kind of used a lot of things I've already talked about. Sure. I sh- probably should have thought of other things, but anyway, so my favorite acting performance is Anya Taylor-Joy in the Queen's Gambit. Uh, okay. That's just, she. I just think she's phenomenal throughout the entire thing. So that was my favorite acting performance of this year. I chose, so when I said I, I had two things that I was debating on for my final spot in the list, mm-hmm. um, the other one was Normal People. Ah, see, and that's what I need to watch. <laughs> so, uh, and my favorite acting performance of the year was Paul Metzkel and Daisy Edgar Jones, who were the two leads of okay. uh, Normal People. Normal People. Uh, which 
it's it's based on a Sally Rooney novel and follows the relationship between two uh, young Irish people uh, as they basically finish what equivalent of their last year of high school and going to college. And um, I mean, really, it's a lot of them like, you know, having sex and dealing with the repercussions. Like <laughs> that's really what the right. show is all about. And it's it's just a relationship drama. Um, but the, they're both so good in that show. Um, I, I, I it's just one I, I watched all of and walked away thinking they're they're both. Uh, gonna be big stars. So awesome! I have to ch- I have to check that one out. That one's on my list as well to watch. Have I believe that's a Hulu. It's a Hulu original. Okay, so, awesome. Uh, what was your favorite single episode of TV that you we'll watched? See, well, see now I really want to change it because now as I'm lo- I did make this list a few days ago, and now as I'm looking at it, I'm like, dang it! Um, I have right now episode eight from season two of Mandalorian, um, mm. the rescue. Big things happen. I can't really talk about it because I sure. feel like it gives stuff away. Um, I just thought that episode was great from start to finish. A lot of, I had me crying at moments. It, it I had a lot of feelings throughout the entire episode. So um, I thought it was a great season finale for the show as well. I would also like to talk about the very first episode of Queen's Gambit as well. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> that one, that first episode really hooks you in the little girl that plays the young um, Beth Harmon phenomenal. Um, and uh, it really uh, gets into the story in such a smart way um, that I think it, it's, it's a perfect opener for that series. So that one also as well. Excellent. Uh, mine would be, again, one we've already talked about, but uh, would be from Fleabag. And mm-hmm. I could choose any of the second season, but I think uh, episode four, which is the one with the confession, we'll just leave it at that. Yes. Um, that was... I I look I actually watched almost the entire episode again today getting ready for this just because it's so good. So uh, See, if if I could choose anything I watched any year, it would be an episode from Playback. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So unfortunately I watched it last year. But yeah, that's that's a great episode. Really any episode from season two. Right. So trying to get some different stuff that we didn't already talk about. Uh what yeah. was your favorite? I called this your favorite mindless folding laundry type uh show or movie that you watched. So, yeah, this is what my go-to when I was doing that and kids would comment on it all the time. But um, it was Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, Because right. I discovered all the old, you know, Robert Stack episodes. And, you know, they're all out there. And um, I just kind of started watching them. And, man, are they dated. But it was one of those mindless things where, like, I – because I used – I. I know half the stuff I'm like, Oh, that solved that solved. I know what happens there. You know, that kind of thing since I love true crime, but it was one of those mindless, like, you know, eighties, nineties, like thing that I just kind of like, Oh yeah, this was, I I used to watch this as a kid. It's kind of like a fun watch (laughs) for me. So that is what I chose. Nice. Mine tend to be, I don't don't usually put them on. I usually will put on stuff I've already seen. um, Right. uh, But we do watch a lot of them with the kids or with just family sitting around Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so um, one that I uh, almost chose was the mass singer, which we watched a lot Mm. of this year during the pandemic. So that was, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that was up there. But the one I went with was nailed it on Netflix. Yes. Because I watched a lot of that this year as well. I don't, I don't care if I ever see another episode, like it doesn't matter to me, but I do tend to laugh at it while we're, while we have it on. So it's just, that host is, she's something else. I think she knows that the show's ridiculous and she's just like, well, let's just do whatever. It's just funny. It's just fun. Mindless watching with the kids. That's really what I'm looking for. So that was it. Perfect. (laughs) Nope. That's a great answer. Uh, Who is your favorite new star that you didn't know about before this year? Um, so this is going to be Anya Taylor-Joy again? No, because I didn't know about her from before. <laughs> oh, okay. But I want, I thought about it. Um, no, it is, uh, Shira Haas, um, mm. from the Netflix miniseries, um, Unorthodox. Okay. I don't know if you watched that. Um, I did not. it's just, I, I, and I should have looked up more of the specifics behind it, but she plays a young woman who is, she's kind of, it's a four part miniseries and she's, she's essentially rejecting her um, Hasidic roots and she's leaving uh, the, her entire life. Um, she's leaving her husband, she's leaving her parents, her family, and she's just going out into the world to discover the world for herself because in her culture, it's, um, she, you know, she's married off. She has very specific things she has to do. She has to, um, you know, shave her head. It's very, uh, very strict. And it's just a character, it's a character study, you know, four part character study on somebody leaving, you know, a more oppressive culture, I guess. Um, and, it was well done in her performance. Um, a lot of it, it's it, it's mostly all Yiddish, so mm. it's it's subtitled. 
Um, and this actress learned Yiddish to be in this role. Oh, wow. So she didn't know it before. So it's just, but you, you would never know. I, I, I didn't know that until I actually looked up details about it. Cause I assumed she was just, that was her, you know, her, her language, you know, first language. So, um, great performance. And I look forward to seeing more things from her. Nice. I, mine would probably be, if I was being honest, a pretty stock answer. And that would probably be Dan Levy because I didn't mm -hmm. know of him before this year, but, uh, I'll also do my, my one a, uh, which is, uh, Karen Fukuhara yes. plays on the boys. So, what I think it's so funny. She on the boys, she has no real dialogue. She basically doesn't speak. Um, if she does speak, it's, it's, it's a tiny amount and it's, uh, it's not in English. And then she also has a YouTube channel, which I discovered. And she is like the brightest, most charming, like positive person you could ever imagine. And yep. it's in total contrast with the character she plays on the show. So she's just like a ball of light. And uh, yes. I, I really enjoyed watching her. So yep. was, you sent yeah. me that interview or something, a video yeah. of her YouTube. And I was like, she is so charming. She's so <laughs> sweet and cute. And just like, and like you said, completely opposite from her character on the boys. Um, yes. But yeah, I agree. She's a great presence. Just like you just smile watching her. She's so great. Good choice. Yeah. Uh, last couple here. And I, you may have already said this one, but the favorite horror thing you watched this year. Favorite horror thing I watched this year was Dr. Sleep. Um, oh, okay. Which actually, it did come out in 2019. I didn't watch it till this year. Sure. Um, but it is a follow-up to The Shining. Um, it's a sequel, direct sequel. Um, it just takes place... Oh, 30 yeah 30 odd years after the shining um and it's a grown-up danny um who is now kind of also an alcoholic and mimics a lot of what his dad was um in the you know jack nicholson's character in the original movie it's terrifying there's a lot of great performances in it um ewan mcgregor plays danny um and then rebecca ferguson who i love she's been really great um in a lot of things recently but uh she plays rose the hat the the main antagonist um and then the the little girl uh kylie curran she plays uh main girl abra like a 12 year old girl who has the shining if you're familiar with the kind of like the mythology of that stephen king universe of what the shining is and um essentially rose the hat and her gang of evil people are um killing children who have the shining and sucking their life force. And, uh, and so Danny kind of has to break out of his alcoholism and um, to help save this girl who has the most shining of all. And uh, really well done. A lot of callbacks to the original film, um, but like well acted Mike Flanagan's the director and he's one of my favorite horror directors right now. Um, he, you know, directed, uh, Haunting of Hill House, that TV series that's one of my favorites of last year. Um, Hush, uh, he he's directed a lot of my favorite horror films that have come out in the last few years. So he's definitely uh, one to look out for. And I thought, as far as like a sequel to something that we've is very well known, it's it was it was extremely well done because it could have it could have crashed and burned. And uh, I thought he did a great job. So nice. I did not catch that one, but that's because I don't watch a lot of horror. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but I did have an answer for this one, and it stays I, in the I, Stephen King camp. Ooh. And that is The Outsider. Oh. Which we also watched this year. Um, this was an HBO series starring mainly Ben Mendelsohn <laughs> and Cynthia Erivo. I forgot uh, about that series. That's <laughs> like, I loved it. Oh, dang it. Well, uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, well, I wasn't sure. I was like, it's not total horror. It's more thriller, but it's, it, it counts. I think it counts. It's horror. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's very suspenseful. I think it's shot really dynamically. Like the, the cinematography is pretty crazy. Like the way they frame shots is mm -hmm. um, sometimes really short-sighted and just, and just really unique uh, the way they shoot it. So um, yep. highly recommend it. Uh, unfortunately it didn't get renewed, so it didn't get picked up for season two. I know. Two. I loved Cynthia's and, performance. Yeah. Her character is awesome. And her character is awesome. Her, oh, I love her. She's great in it. Ben, Ben's always great. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that was my favorite horror thing. What was your uh, favorite, we'll say comedy or funniest thing you watched? Uh, I, and this is the answer I already gave before, Pen15. Pen15, okay. hands down, was the funniest thing I've watched all year. Gotcha. Yep. Don't need to add much to it, but those <laughs> girls, I don't know how they keep a straight face when they're doing what they're doing the entire time, but yeah, they're they're hilarious. So. And I, I probably would... Uh, again, if it was if we were being strictly, I, I probably would put Shit's Creek up there. Yeah. Uh, uh, I also we watched The Good Place, which I thought was very funny, yes. and then um, 
Seth Meyers had a good special on Netflix oh. called Lobby Baby, which I enjoyed. Okay. So oh, nice. those were those were a couple funny things that I enjoyed this year. And Palm Springs. I like Palm Springs, but we already oh, talked yeah. about that as well. So uh lastly, favorite action thing you watched this year. Uh the favorite action thing I watched this year was Tenet. Oh, okay. I have not Christopher seen it. Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. You know, and I think we all kind of have our own like you probably have your favorite Christopher Nolan movie and whether this one makes it in your top, whatever or not, you know, you're in for a fun ride when you go see it, you know, when you see a Christopher Nolan movie. So, um, I thought this movie was great. John David Washington, awesome performance. Uh, it, it's kind of like a, another like time bending, you know, he likes Christopher Nolan likes to do the time bending things. Um, a lot of smart choices. Definitely want to watch it again because there's like think as I was I was trying to prepare for this thinking back on it I was like yeah there were some great action moments in there but like I'm like what what happened in any of the movie like I'm trying <laughs> right. to like I was like trying to recall what even happened because it's just you know there's a lot in it that and so it definitely deserves a rewatch but um that was my favorite action thing that tenant is literally opened up on a browser on my computer for me to watch as soon as I have a couple there hours free time so do it uh, that's funny um good one. Yeah, I've heard the action is phenomenal. Uh, Absolutely, uh, I'm excited to watch that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mine, uh, my favorite action thing we talked a lot about with you was the the Mandalorian season two. I thought that that, as far as an action movie or 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 series, I thought that was Mm -hmm. great. So, yeah, that was my favorite. Great choice. Well, cool. This was fun, Ashley. It was fun. I know. Uh, Let us know if you have any uh, recommendations that we didn't talk about. We'd love to hear any comments or things that you think we're crazy about. If you totally disagree on our love of the flight attendant, we're certainly open <laughs> to talk about it. But um, it is funny the ones that we. It's funny the ones that we uh, matched on. We didn't end up having any of the same in our list, did we? No, because I um, I, I opted out of the mm, flight attendant. But uh, gotcha. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Enjoyed putting the show out this year and hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, Let us know what you thought. Uh, You can send a message to indefinitive at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or just drop by to say hello. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your episode, and please also leave a review. Uh, There are videos on our YouTube channel. You can find that in the show notes by searching Dave Fairman on YouTube. Remember to go watch Ashley Killip's Star of Debt. Uh, You can find that at deaththemovie.com. Finally, connect with me on social media at Dave Fairman on Instagram and at David Fairman on Twitter uh, with the show at Indefinitive on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and at Ashley Killips on all the platforms. So thank you again for listening. I hope you have a great new year uh, and hopefully 2021 is much better for everyone than the last year. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye.